Finish Sales event is going on now at Bettenhausen Ram on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Power on into the new year with the strength of a new 2022 Bettenhausen Ram truck. Your best Ram buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCTJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Hey now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the season finale. On the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley and Nick Olchek. I am Pat Boyle. Good morning, boys. Hi, PB. How's everybody doing? Across the finish line. Made it. Made it. Made it. Yes, we and did. overtime. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you, you needed bonus <laughs> hockey in game 82, did yeah. you not? Yeah. Like, I mean, this season hasn't it, been... It's, it's one thing on Patrick, uh, Pat Foley's night, to, you sure. know, extra uh, time with P, uh, Pat Foley. But last night you could have, you know, Buffalo. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. Need, that was a movie that, that could end could have ended in the second period. Uh, so the most tumultuous season in franchise history comes to an end last night. And uh, what's next for this franchise? 3 one 2 Three three two three seven seven six. Plenty of storylines uh, this off season. Will this team end up getting a lottery pick? Pick one or two in uh, this summer's draft. I hope not because it's not a deep draft and there aren't franchise difference making players uh, at the top of it. Uh, will the Minnesota Wild get to the conference finals with Mark Andre Fleury winning four games, and that would give the Hawks Minnesota's first round pick. So who stays? Who goes? We'll run over the UFAs, the RFAs later. And then it's Kane, Taves, and Debrinkit. That's the big one, Nikki. All entering the final year of their deals. Kane and Taves, they hold the key. They they can decide whether or not they stay or can be moved. And uh, what do you think their appetite is? As you listen to 18, 19 and 88 this week. What do you think their appetite is for this rebuild? Well, the situation is is in their full control, PB, just like you were talking about. They have full no-move clauses, meaning that they need to initiate or sign off on a trade. And if they don't want to go anywhere, they don't have to. I think it's in a situation right now for Kyle Davidson where he's going to be in constant communication with them, trying to figure it out. But at the end of the day, PB and Brian, like, the management, they get paid to make the decisions. So, you know, in a way, you know, they could either elect to go ahead and trade Kane and Taves if that's what they want or resign them. And you look at a guy like Alex Debrinkit, too, restricted free agent. Uh, the Hawks are, you know, likely, you would assume, going to qualify him and try and keep him around. But uh, the future is definitely very much uh, up in the air. A lot of variables still to play out to make an educated uh, prediction, I would say. Uh, but definitely a, a very important summer coming up, considering two cornerstones that have been part of the success of the Blackhawks for a long time. And love to hear from uh, loyal Hawks fans and season ticket holders. What does it mean to you? I mean, how important is is it to you to see your stars stay? Or do you say you look at this with a, an objective eye and say, you know what, the, it's, it was the Cups and the parades were great. Time to uh, really immerse yourself and rebuild and uh, love to, you know, what direction do you want Kyle Davidson to take? 312-332-3776. Because, you know, you start with Alex Dabrinkit. 
I mean, if you're really going to rebuild, and I've been talking about this for months, that there's a guy, the phones should be ringing immediately if you put the word out that, you know, we don't want to trade him, but if someone wants to give you anything, you know, Brandon Hagel times 10, you know, give me a call, Kyle Davidson. Uh, it's it's You don't want to be in that middle middle road there, right? You know, just good enough not to be a lottery pick next year. And, um, you know, so if you keep too many guys around, uh, you could be in that. I mean, if Debrinkit and Kane can be the stars they were again this year and Jonathan Taves does, in fact, find another gear and, and does play as good at hockey as he was capable of playing, if not, like he said, his best hockey, well, then, you know, who knows where this team is. I think, uh, you know, Kane and Debrinkit are, are tied at the hip right now because if, and we're going to hear from uh, Patrick Kane in, in just a bit. Uh you know, his appetite for dealing with this rebuild is appreciably better when he's got somebody in the lineup like Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, you know, he, he feels that he can go out there and perform and still put up, as he did, 92 points. Missed four games. So on pace for a 100-point season, top 12, top 13 in the league, Nagging injury that you'll probably hear in the coming weeks. He's probably going to have a procedure on that. Uh, to think that he's hurt, that they were an offensively challenged team, that you really had one line that you had to worry about when you were trying to shut down the Blackhawks, and he still puts up 92 points. That's why he still want. That's why he wants Alex to bring it to sign an extension, big time. The, the ultimate competitor, no question. And you look at throughout the majority of Patrick Kane's career. The durability has been there. Eight of his 15 seasons, he's played at least 80 games. And now, of course, all that hockey, all the playoff hockey, which goes to another level, is starting to catch up with you. And, of course, you play with injuries. But for Kaner this year, to hear him talk about how he felt limited in certain situations and he really maybe didn't have that extra burst of speed or agility to break away and try and make some things happen, to have his third best career point total to be one assist away or at least one assist away from setting a new record uh, and, and ended up with 66 uh, helpers this year, which tied a career high. To be able to do all of that, PB, so impressive. Uh, and I think it would have been really easy for Patrick Kane to, at some point during the year, with a month to go, two months to go, to say, okay, you know what? We're out of the playoffs. I'm just going to take off the rest of the year, get healthy for next year, and and have a procedure or have a surgery or whatever it's going to be. That would have been the really easy decision for him. But you could tell at certain points throughout throughout the season, he was having fun playing with Alex Dabrinkit. Kind of like shades of him and Panarin, where yeah. they're a dynamic duo on the power play at even strength, always looking for each other uh, out on the ice. But just uh, a real uh, important year in terms of learning from Patrick Kane and, and just the ultimate competitor that he is. Let's hear from Patrick Kane on his season, and he talks about his health as well. No, I mean, I'm proud of myself and, in, in, uh, you know, some ways for sure the way this this season went and the way I was able to perform um but I still think I need to to be at another level um coming into next year and uh you know I think uh that starts with just you know having a good summer and getting 100% healthy and uh you know next time I step on the ice uh after the season I really want to make sure you know my body's feeling good and um that I'm able to do the stuff that uh that I want to on the ice he went on to uh, thank the trainers and medical staff for getting him ready to go uh, for the what, 78 games that he played in. So, uh, you know, 
he did not want to use it as an excuse. And again, the points tell you that it, he he was close to a hundred percent. But uh, people in the know that watched him behind the scenes uh, saw a guy that battled to to be able to uh, to perform at such a high level and be ready to to answer the bell each and every night. And you can't overstate Nick's point because no one would have blamed the guy to say, you know what, I want to get ready for next year and find that next level and, and that gear and be ready even more so. So I need to take care of this so I get my off-season training. And you know what, he stuck it out, which I think is also indicative that he is he's more inclined to be part of this rebuild than not. Because if, 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 in fact, he was going to have the uh, conversation with Kyle Davidson that it's time for me to move on, I'll waive the no movement, you know, get the best you can and give me uh, the best opportunity to win a cup next year, I think he would have probably called it a season early on and, and addressed the injury. And it's always easier to play through injury when you're winning, right? Yeah. It, it hurts a little more to get out of bed in the morning when things aren't going well and maybe when your team isn't as successful as you would hope. But I just love the fact that, in the press conference, Kaner gave kudos to the to the training staff because those guys are the lifeline of a hockey player. Mike Gapsky, Mikey Harling, Pav Perlinski, the whole staff trying to make sure Kaner was feeling as good as he could while he was out there on the ice battling through whatever ailment he was going through. Uh, a lot of work goes on uh, behind the scenes. So, again, a, a real testament to, to Kaner for sticking it out the rest of the year. And there's belief that he would have had a procedure done last offseason, uh, but he wanted to play in the Olympics. And, and th- we had that short off season last year because we uh, had the extended 56 game schedule because of COVID. Uh, th- these seasons are just kind of blending together at this point. But uh, I, I, this is, I want you to hear this comment from, from Patrick Kane. So he's talking about his new role now, mentoring young players during this rebuild. But watch how he throws in a little curveball, little, little love for, for Alex to bring it mid sentence here. And uh, we'll talk about that on the other side. Here's Patrick. It could be a good thing. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I've enjoyed um, always being around the younger guys. And uh, I feel like I'm still like a young kid at heart, you know, the way, uh, you know, I go about about my uh, my business and daily life. But I think another thing is like, you know, obviously uh, develop some chemistry with the brink out over the years. And it's like if if he's here and if he's a big piece, then that makes it easier for me to right? Because I'm playing with him every day and he's such a good player and it makes it fun to be out there with him. So, um, yeah, we'll see what, what how it all shakes out. Though. If Dabrinkit is here, it makes it easier for me. I, I mean, to me, translation, Get it I'll, done. I'll stick around yeah. if, if he's here for the long term. Yeah, and again, you know, you, are you trying to sell tickets next year? Uh, They're always trying to sell tickets. Right, and Dabrinkit is obviously young enough that he's going to be a part of whatever championship window opens next, no matter the time. 24. Right. And so Patrick Kane, given once he gets to be 100% healthy, he would certainly, he has a a hell of a lot of hockey left in front of him that he would be a, a big part of that championship window. But again, I just don't know what, you know, fans, did they just flush this season? Are Are they... You know, wondering how long this rebuild's going to take. Do you have to have stars? Do you have to have Kane and Taves and Dabrinkit as part of this? Because otherwise, you're really not going to you know wake me up in three years. You know, it, it's it's tough for anyone in this town who's gone through a rebuild. And the Bears are doing it now. The Cubs are doing it again. And and who knows? You know, it, it's tough to stomach when you're a loyal fan, and especially when you're paying for those tickets as well. What what's next for this franchise this off season? 
Do you think Kane and Taves will be back for the final year of their contract? Do you think Alex Dabrinkit will get an extension? Let's go to the phone lines. Let's welcome Bob to the hockey show. Good morning, Bob. Uh, do we have a little problem there? No. Okay. Looking up there at line got, one, seeing ghosts. I got to talk to Bob. Let me, talk, let me talk to Bob. Jimmy! <laughs> let me talk to Bob. I think, I think Bob wanted to talk bears. Did he? Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> Maybe I'm glad that bear, was on the screen. It was probably bear fan Bob. Yeah, yeah it was bear fan Bob. <laughs> uh, what were you You were going to say something, no, Nikki? I, I'm just saying that, I mean, that, you know, talking about the decisions that are going to have to be made, I mean, these are going to be the conversations that go on between Kyle Davidson and Jeff Greenberg and uh, Normie McIver uh, with the star players and saying, okay, this is the direction that we see. This is our vision. Uh, do you want to be part of it? Do you want to be part of the Blackhawks long term? And, and these, again, these are the conversations that are going to happen, taking into consideration contracts, when they're ending, when they're up, what players are going to be asking for. So, again, a lot of questions heading into to next season. But uh, you cer- would certainly hope that the uh, Blackhawks brain trust, who I certainly put a lot of faith and trust in, are going to be able to make the right decisions and set this team up for long-term, long-term success, though the last couple of years and the next few years might be a little lean. Coming up, we'll uh, we'll hear from the captain, Jonathan Taves, and almost to a man in that Blackhawks dressing room. Uh, when they hear Kyle Davidson say rebuild, they say, uh, not so fast, my friend. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll find a way to accelerate that or circumvent it and uh, get back to Stanley Cup playoff form. Uh, we'll hear from Jonathan Taves coming up next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. It's the Hockey Show, rolling on on a Saturday morning season finale. Brian Hanley, Nick Olchek, Pat Boyle with you. Blackhawks fall in their season finale last night against the Buffalo Sabres. 3-2 to two in overtime. Kubalik and Strom scored in that one. Maybe their last games as members of the Chicago Blackhawks. It was also Jonathan Taves' 34th birthday last night. Nick, how would you assess the uh, the captain's season? Well, a lot of ups and downs, PB, coming off of a year where uh, you don't play. And I like it to anybody that works a job out there. It doesn't matter what the job is. Imagine taking off 365 for whatever reason and then having to come back and do that job at the highest, most elite level and be you know, picked apart everything that you do. Uh, so for the captain to be able to come back like he did, yes, there were stretches where he maybe wished he would have played better. There were stretches where he was awesome. I mean, he finished the last 10 games with seven points. And in his last 11 games, he had eight points. So I think it was a, a strong finish for Jonathan Tays. The faceoff numbers were always there. He was always still well above 50%, touching 60 65% at, at times. Uh, and you knew you were going to get the inside the locker room leadership for, for Jonathan Taves as well. So uh, you look what he brought to the team. Again, yes, like I said, there were ups and downs. But I think when you uh, reassess the year as a whole, uh, considering where he came from and what he was dealing with, I think a pretty impressive year from the captain uh, considering everything that he's gone through. Yeah, I thought he was better right before the concussion. So I think uh, probably around the trade deadline, he played some of his best hockey. Then he missed some time. 
in concussion protocol. And then, as you said, he finished pretty strong to the season. He's a different case, though, Brian, than Patrick Kane is. Because when we talk about this rebuild or when they're going to be competitive again, we can all in this room say that 88 will probably be still playing at an all-star, somewhat elite level when that happens. When we talk about Jonathan Taves and try to forecast where his game will be when this team is competitive again, that's a little murky. It's beyond murky, and you know Nick said up and down for this year. It's been up and down for a few years now, and it, whether it's physical injury, you know, it was the uh, ailment they dealt with last year. Um, the game hasn't been the same, and where we used to say that they were, you know, uh, PB, you said the Brinkett and Kane are attached to the hip. It used to be Kane and Taves, Taves and Kane, right? I don't think that's the case anymore. I can, if you want to handicap this thing, I can really see Kane and Brinkett sticking around and Jonathan Taves moving on, whether that's the Blackhawks' decision or his decision. It has to be his because he has to wave the no-movement clause. But Derek King kept talking about frustration, the captain being frustrated. And we heard in his answers to questions, whether big picture or, or game-type questions, the frustration night in, night out. I just don't know where his head's at, let alone his body. And I think he might have a conversation with his agent, Pat Brisson, uh, much more about the future and, and wearing a different sweater and, and not being back with the Blackhawks. All right. Well, so your thoughts on that? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Here's Jonathan Taves. Does he want to be with the Blackhawks beyond next season? I'm not going to comment on after next season because I have no idea. Uh, I think if anything, these last few years has taught me is just to, to stay in the moment and not look too far ahead or too far behind and. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I'm not going to think about that too much. Uh, I'm just going to enjoy this off season and, and really uh, um, just just love every part of the process to get myself ready for next year and, and feeling good again, feeling like myself again, and and, uh, and just kind of take uh, next year however it comes. He talked about being in shape and 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 was difficult for him to start, as you mentioned, being away for. It was actually over a year, you know, yeah. when you really look at it. Right. Uh, he last played in the bubble, uh, so he missed roughly a year and a half uh, of uh, being away from competitive hockey, and it took him some time to get back. Look, he looks he looks bigger as far as like like uh, strong. He looks. Um, muscular, maybe needs to lean down a little bit. I don't know if there's going to be on his exit interview some discussion of what they think needs to be done to get more out of him in his mid-30s. But, you know, there's a lot of question whether or not, like you said, Brian, he may want to go somewhere else to, to finish his career. I get the impression both would like to finish their career here, but I don't know if the competitive nature of both of them is going to be able to sit back and have a season like they had this past year. Well, and, and, and by all accounts, next year could be even tougher sledding. Well, before we get to Mark and Ron Lake, I will just say this. I would think it make, would make much more sense if you trade, if he was willing to go. You probably have to do that at the trade deadline, right? Because there are teams out there wondering. Brian, what are you going to get for Jonathan Taves? No, I mean, you're not going to get. How many teams want to pay him what he's owed? Well, you'd have to pick up over half of it. Yeah, right. And and, and I don't know what the market, frankly, for Jonathan Taves is right now and what you get in return. No, I, I. I I don't think you would get a lot right now. So, hey, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Mark and Round Lake. Welcome to the hockey show, Mark. Good morning. 
morning. Hey guys, how are you? Good. So I'm, re- I'm a retired player. Played pro back and played uh, major junior and played in the IHL back in the days. So I have some pretty good hockey knowledge. Jonathan Taves, the last year, year and a half, a ten million dollar player was terrible, and the whole team was terrible. And the whole Kyle Beach thing, which I don't know if you guys talked about, I just kind of chimed on here. I, I, that team needed to rebuild three years ago. But I will say that uh, that the getting Tyler Radish for Hayden plus first round pick was, was was pretty good. This kid's a really good player. So they need, they needed to rebuild three years ago. They needed uh, obviously accumulate as many draft picks as they can and and start over again, like most teams have to do after a wonderful ten year run. All right, Mark. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, look, that that was the biggest complaint when you looked at, at Stan Bowman's plan, if you call it that, because it, one minute it was the plan rebuild changed. mold, yeah. and then the next minute you're going out there and Here's offering first-round picks yeah. for, for Seth Jones, and you're you're giving him a you know $9.5 million contract uh, times eight. So, yeah, it, this rebuild really should have started in 2016-17, and to a degree it did, but it kept oscillating back and forth between rebuild, mini rebuild, oh, we're going go to be a playoff for it. Team. Yeah, right. We're going to have the young kids in net like Delia and Lankinen. No, 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 no. We're going to go out and get Mark Andre Fleury. Like it made no sense. The, the 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 one thing I think Blackhawks fans can feel good about this season is there is a direction. Mm-hmm. Kyle Davidson has said, "Look, this is this is what we're doing," and that was an aggressive move moving Brandon Hagel at the trade deadline. A guy who was, was making a million and a half a year, playing into top six role for your team. But look, on a good team, he's a third or fourth line player. And that's what he's doing in Tampa. And look at his numbers there. Yeah, what, six no, points? Nowhere near the numbers that, again, you take Taylor Radish from a third line or fourth line role in Tampa – he comes here, he's playing a, a middle six, and he's putting up... Ten points, 20 games. A lot more points yeah. than Brandon Hagel. So, you know, ice time has something to do with that, and a good player on a bad team is also getting an opportunity here. And it's a situation where when you're given more opportunity and you need to take advantage, and that's exactly what Taylor Radish has done since coming over. You mentioned the points, Brian. I mean... 10 points in 21 games as a black eye. That's a pretty good points percentage and, so far. And you notice him out there. Immediately you noticed him right after that. Exactly, trade, right? exactly. And he's playing the bumper roll right in the middle of the slot on the power play. He's been given opportunities to play with Taves. He's played on the second line at times. He's played on the first line. And he's going to be an impactful and a much-needed player moving forward. And, of course, the other guy in that trade, Boris Kachuk, who's been a good depth energy player for the Blackhawks. It's been really a staple on the fourth line ever since he came. So, look, these guys... A new lease on life for them. They go from winning Stanley Cups and being part of a championship culture to now a rebuild with the Blackhawks where uh, you're trying to start something special from the ground up. So these moves, I think, at least to this point, have paid off, though it was very difficult to part ways with a guy who was very much the heart and soul of the Blackhawks and Brandon Hagel. Let's go back to the phone lines. Pat Norland Park joins the hockey show. How you doing today, Pat? Great. How you fellas doing today? Doing all right. Good to hear. Good to hear. You know, it's a difficult season. Obviously, wasn't what we were expecting. You know, we knew what we were coming into. But one of the things I just kind of see from the team was just noticing the plus-minus of the defense. You know, you have Seth Jones, who is second in plus-minus this season. 
And then you have McCabe, who is, I think, is part of that top 10 group as well. A lot of minutes that they were having to play, and I think we need a lot of help on the defense. I don't think there's really much future we see with Taze. We've seen his ups and downs last few years, and I think it's at that point where we need a we need to start getting some pieces for him, and hopefully we can get something. Uh, I don't know what it's, his worth is, but what do you guys think? Is there any moves for the defense coming in the future that we can help out for the Hawks? Uh, yeah, well, Pat, I think the moves are going to be going to Rockford. Mm-hmm. Guys like uh, Regula, who I thought played really well. Yeah. Alex Vlasic, yeah, I sure. thought he was imp- that that apple he had last night Beautiful. was impressive, Beautiful. wasn't it? He Beautiful. Sheds the uh, the tuck check and. Uh, and puts it in in the wheelhouse for Dominic Kubalik. And you don't do something like that, PB and Brian, unless you have confidence, right? And we've seen the first three, four, five games that he played, he was in the single digits for time on ice. And as he started to earn the trust from Mark Crawford and Derek King and the coaching staff, the ice time shot up. And when you're playing more and you understand that when you're out on the ice and if you make a mistake and you get back to the bench... The coaches aren't going to ream you out, and they're not going to cut your ice time and make you sit on the bench. Like This is a learning process for everybody. I'd rather these players make mistakes now and learn from it than make mistakes in a couple years when hopefully the Blackhawks are competitive once again. But you bring up Regula, you talk about Alex Vlasic, a wonderful assist that he had uh, last night. That's a showing of the confidence that they're starting to gain. Are these guys going to be world beaters and number one and number two defensemen for years to come? We don't know that yet. But at least there has been some upside. And, yeah, a little bit of size never hurts either. Well, yeah, and we need to start getting some production from the blue line. Yeah. To think that five goals, five freaking goals led the team among defensemen is, 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 is mind-boggling. It really is. Yeah. When you look at other teams in the National Hockey League, I, I'm going to venture to guess 20-plus teams have at least one D-man who's got 15 or more. And on this team, it was five. Seth Jones and Caleb Jones. And look, I like Seth Jones. He ends up with like 51 points, 46 assists. Assists aren't a problem. He's done a nice job in that area. But he's got to work on getting that shot through. Too many shots missing the net. Too many shots getting blocked. And that's something that, like, you know, look, uh, and again, I'm not trying to say Eric Gustafson is belongs. He, he, you know, he played his last game with the Blackhawks last night. Uh, but he finds a way to get his to walk the line and get that shot through. I think he Seth Jones needs to, to take a page from some of these demon around the league that are finding ways to do that. And that's something that he said he was going to try and work on and, and improve upon this year in the press conference before the last home game. He was, he was asked a question, what are some things you want to work at at the World Championships when you're going to be there in the coming weeks? What do you want to work on over the summer? Walk in the line. And, and look, he, he's a defensive destroyer at the back end. And by that, I mean he just takes up so much space. He's not necessarily going to try and run you through the glass, but we've seen some of the defensive ability that he has and the offensive upside to his game. Now, to be fair to him, hit quite a few posts this year too, where you know, you know, five could have maybe turned into an eight or a nine. But you know, I think his career high was sixteen. So if he can hopefully get back to that, it's going to be a lot more production on the back end. It's going to help. His shooting percentage was two point six. Two. Your grade point was way better than two point six. Bad, drunk, and stupid's no way to go through life. So. Um, all right, so let, let's talk about some of the positives that came out of it. Alex Dabrinkit, 41 goals. Again, we feel that he's in that elite category. I think he proved it to the rest of the NHL that that he is 
an elite sniper in this in this league. And, and defensively, he has shown a lot of improvement in his game. 11th most takeaways in the entire league. That wow. shows me that that is a guy that is uber competitive, that takes care of his own end, and as a byproduct of that, is going to spend less time in his own zone and more time having fun playing offense and, and trying to score goals. And PB, yeah, he scored a lot of one-timer backdoor goals in the power play, and and Brian a lot of goals where he just beats the goalie clean yep. off a sh- off, off of a shot. But he did score a good amount of greasy goals as well. And for only being five foot seven, and for having played as much as he has in his career, I think three of the five seasons. He's played 82 games. I mean, to be that small and to be that durable and to play that style of game speaks volumes to the player that he is and the superstar that he is. I think when you look around the National Hockey League, okay, who are the purest goal scorers? You know, a lot of people that are, you know, the talking heads and people that are the pundits might not necessarily have Alex Dabrinkit in the top 10, but he certainly has earned it with the way that he plays and the numbers that he's put up in his career. The Blackhawks go to the north side. That's right. They go to the Chicago Cubs to add to their uh, executive stable in hockey ops. We'll explain and we'll hand out our Hawks regular season awards. It's all coming up next on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN1000, Chicago's home for sports. Rolling on on the season finale of The Hockey Show on ESPN1000 with Brian Hanley, Nick Olchek. Hey, I am Pat Boyle. Um, the Hawks, look, they went outside the box with this one. And I think it, I think it makes some sense. Hear me out here. So they hired Jeff Greenberg as associate general manager. You'll remember he was a finalist for the permanent GM job uh, that Kyle Davidson ended up getting. Uh, he was assistant GM with the Cubs. He'd been with them for 11 seasons. So Davidson now has his executive team of Jeff Greenberg and Norm McIver. Norm McIver, old schools, played in this league, been on a bench, been in management, wasn't, isn't afraid to have a, a, a descending voice or a, 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 a you know a, a opposing view on something and share it. Uh, but you know, talking to Hawks upper management, there's a consensus that. Much of the way the NHL does business is way behind how other leagues are run, like Major League Baseball. They're bringing Jeff Greenberg in to change their system, their processes, their methods. And um, he's got a hockey background. He went to Penn, was a captain his junior and senior year there. Uh, he grew up playing the game, so it's not like the, the the game of hockey is foreign to him. But he is initially going to set up, you know, basically new protocol, new processes, new systems for this hockey operations department to run more efficiently, so that they can all look at their phone, no matter where they are. If you're a scout, or if you're, you know, uh, a hockey ops guy at 1901 West Madison, and you want to check how Doc did in in Saskatoon last night, it's there. Advanced analytics are there. You want to check in with uh, how somebody is doing in Rockford uh, as they rehab something, all that information. All the information that MLB has had for years 
and I mean years, NHL is not there. And they're looking for Jeff Greenberg to bring them in. Hey, the NHL used to be the league that had the uh, the fax machine clogged sure. up at the deadline, and, and deals were actually you know nixed because the paperwork didn't get in on time. So, yeah, we've moved into a different era, and they need to move even into a more modern era. We talked about it at the time when we knew, and, and the Hawks were being very transparent about their GM um, uh, selection process. We, you know, would this work if Kyle wanted to stick around? If Jeff got the job. Well, it's good to see that Jeff wanted to stick around with Kyle once Kyle got the job because, you know, anytime you can get fresh eyes and, and fresh blood in an organization and coming from a successful organization, I mean, he's baseball Kyle Davidson, right? Yeah. He started as an intern there. Absolutely. Just like Kyle started with the Blackhawks. All the way back in uh, 2011 and was a part of what the Cubs built. I mean, you, you have to give him a lot of credit. Yes, it was a different sport, but being able to go from where the Cubs were in the early 2000s to 2010 to 2011, and then eventually what they did in, in 2016. And just reading a couple articles, a, a nice article by Emily Kaplan at the time about the hiring of Jeff Greenberg. And the one kind of quote that stood out to me was, he'll plan on building out new computer and app-based systems that will streamline information for the organization. Just like you're talking about, PB, keeping a closer eye on prospects, keeping a closer eye on potential guys that they want to scout and draft and also having a better understanding of your own players. Talking to some people in the baseball world that would know it a lot better than I would, PB, I think the next great frontier is perhaps trying to predict how injuries will affect certain players, how durable players can be. Because we've seen it over the years. Guys that have all the skill in the world, doesn't matter the sport, and then they get hurt. Is that some way that you can maybe predict that? Is there a way that you can measure that through your analytics? And maybe that could be. I'm not saying it is because I don't have any sort of information. I'm just a, a talking head. Uh, but could that be something that where maybe Jeff Greenberg has insight to where, okay, this guy has more skill. We want to draft him. But this guy's more durable, and he might be a little less skilled, but he's going to be able to play for us for a lot longer. So those are the things that hopefully can be developed and improved and, and brought to the world of hockey. The other question is, is Derek King going to be the head coach of this team next year? I mean, Brian, uh, he was the right guy at the right time. This was, as he called it, a very fragile team when he took over for Jeremy Colleton. Uh, you could, when they got down a goal, it, the the shoulders would slump. They would pan the bench, and you're like, "This game's over." Yep. He changed that, gave this team some confidence, picked them up, and they, up until the trade deadline, were just above 500, right around 500. That's not going to get you in the playoffs, but it's way better than the two nine and two start that that he took over. Uh, do you think he gets serious consideration from Kyle Davidson to be the head coach long term? I believe he gets serious consideration. Here's what I'll say about Derek King. He's a guy you'd want to go have beers with and everything else. Seems to be, like you said, the right guy at the right time. The way they finished up the season, and time and again, game in, game out, yeah, talk about effort and lack of effort and guys you know, checking out. But he kept saying they didn't check out, but... That didn't do anything, you know, give him any really good uh, uh, recommendations to keep this job. Now, I might ask the question, does it even matter who's coaching next year? I think it does at an organic level, right, trying to send, set the right tone and, and foundation for a rebuild. But if you really know that you're going to be losing a lot next year, who, you know, who wants that job? I saw it on Twitter. Someone said Rick Tockett is under consideration. Why would Rick Tockett want to be here for year one? of the in earnest of a rebuild. Maybe Derek King gets next year and they 
kind of looked at the landscape throughout the year, and maybe he gets his footing a little bit better, more solid next year, and you can really figure out what, what you have here in a head coach. And even looking around the league, too, Brian and PB, you got a couple of teams that if they lose early in the playoffs, their coaches are likely going to be out. When you look at the Maple Leafs, Sheldon Keefe, if, if, the, if the Leafs don't make a deep run, is he going to still be there? The Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, the Boston Bruins. So these are some teams that, if they lose... They very well might do a fire sale, and then those coaches become available too. Look, I think right place, right time for Derek King, no doubt. And he's been in a developmental role with the Rockford Icehogs since he's been there in the last bunch of years. And that's the level where you're trying to develop players. And now at the National Hockey League level, when the Hawks are going to have some young guys on their team moving forward with this rebuild, you're going to want a coach that's going to try and develop the guys that can hopefully be mainstays for the future to come. So those are going to be the decisions that management has to make, and they're going to be able to cipher through uh, as the season ends and more coaches become available. We'll run down some of those Stanley Cup playoff matchups. Let's quickly do our uh, Hawks regular season awards. Real quick here. Uh, most improved player, I went with Dylan Strome. Yeah. Who do you got, Nick? Yeah, yeah same. Dylan Strome. You look at where he was at last year, where he started this year, scratched to, to being the first-line center and putting up great numbers alongside to Brinkett and Kane. Uh, I think very much the most improved player. Yeah, clean sweep. He's a Masterton uh, nominee uh, as well. The guy, the perseverance, I mean, he went from the uh, the press box and the doghouse to being a very uh, uh, successful and consistent contributor to this team, and I'd like to see him stick around. Most selfless player, I went with Kelvin DeHaan. 172 blocks. He sat out the last few games. Could have played. He's banged up a bit. Uh, your your thoughts on most yeah. selfless player? Yeah, yeah, sacrificing for your team. When I think of selfless, I think a guy that's going to give you the shirt off of his back. He's going to do anything for his teammates. Great pick, PB. I'm going to go with Riley Stillman, a guy who stood up for his teammates time and time again. No one was taking liberties on Blackhawks when Riley Stillman was on the ice. A lot of time stepping up for his teammates. So uh, a good job this year by I'm Riley going Stillman. With Patrick Kane. I mean, you know, I'll make the case he was selfless. He, you know, he was setting up to bring it throughout the season. He persevered through the season. And, um, you know, who knows where this team would uh, would have been without him, you know, being that good mentor and, and playing that role. Comeback player. I could have given it to Taves after being away for a year and a half. I'm going with Strom. I'm just the comeback within the year. And you don't often see that uh, in the National Hockey League when you are, uh, you know, relegated to the doghouse. You usually stay there. They tried to move him. They couldn't get anything for him early on in the season. He ends up getting the opportunity to get back in on the top line, ends up with uh, 48 points in 69 games. Uh, he, he was a point-per-game player when he was with DeBrinket and uh, Kane. And a career high in goals, too, which for a guy who is usually a pass-first type of player, that certainly speaks volumes. I'm going to co-sign that, PB. Dylan Strom, comeback player of the year. Uh, again, where he was at, where he's at now, he's come full circle. Next year, better be Kirby Doc. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Best defensive player. Look, this was... It was, this is was tough. This was yeah. tough. And I Go went back with, to the five I goals again. Was it? Don. Oh, by the way, nobody uh, on the on the blue line, the, the only team in the NHL that did not have a goal on the man advantage from a defenseman was the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Uh, so, best defensive player? Uh, I'm going to go with Calvin DeHaan. Okay. Uh, the block shots, the ability, ability to play in every situation. I didn't get a lot of power play time, but when you think of strict defender, Calvin DeHaan comes to mind. I'm voting present. 
Impressive. Okay. <laughs> Best offensive player. Uh, I went with Alex Dabrinkit. Yeah. yeah, same. Of course, Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, and looking at some of the advanced stats too, PB, third most total ice time in terms of total minutes on the ice for forwards in the NHL. I mean, he was just being put out there all the time. And he had four goal streaks of three games or more. Tied his career high in goals. Offensive player of the year, Alex Dabrinkit. Clean sweep. And heart and soul. Uh, I went with I went with the duel. Uh, Brandon Hagel before the trade deadline, and Sam Lafferty after it. Yeah, Sam Lafferty. Forty six games with the Blackhawks this year, eleven points, but probably could have been more like twenty points if a couple of the opportunities he was able to finish. That's only going to get better, I think, for him. A lot of confidence earned, and a guy you knew every night whether the Hawks were a little sleepy to start yep. or whether they were on it from the jump. He was going to bring a thousand percent one of the best And he trades. got new papers, so yeah. that yeah. we, we, that we know he's back. Yep, two years uh, yesterday he signed for. And I will finish it up with Team MVP. I went with Patrick Kane, finished with the 92 points, missed four games. His 46 primary assists ranked fourth in the NHL. Patrick Kane, no question. No question. Works for me. All right, coming up. Move over, Scott Foster. There's another emergency backup goalie story, and uh, we'll have that for you. And we'll also preview the Stanley Cup playoffs that will start on Monday. This is the Hockey Show, season finale on ESPN 1000. You're listening to the Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. One-timers. One-timer by Albertson. He's On the Hockey Show. One-time shot. On ESPN 1000. One more time. One last time. Season finale. One-timers on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian, you got a great one for us. Yeah, you love these stories about emergency goalies. The NHL only league that does <laughs> anything like this where uh, a guy who played hockey growing up, and, and here's a life insurance salesman, Thomas Hodges. I believe he's, what, 28 years old. Uh, practices with the Dallas Stars. The home team has to provide said emergency goalie in case either team, while well, the Ducks lost both their goalies last night. So Thomas Hodges, Hodges Lord Thomas Hodges from England, came over <laughs> to America at the age of 12 and had a, a, you know, hopes of playing in the NHL, but lost vision in one of his eyes. So he's sitting there eating a hot dog like Joe Ordinary in the stands. He gets the call. He runs out and, and take a listen to what his night turns out to be. Oh, you know, I uh, think once we got got on the ice and started skating around a little bit, doing my normal routine, it felt felt a little bit more like, you know, any other hockey game I've played before. But in that locker room, when I got the call that, hey, you're actually going to have to go out because it was kind of half uh, 50-50 there for a little bit, you know, I was... Yeah, I was probably about as nervous as I've ever been, <laughs> you know. Um, I've never played in front of so many people, but, you know, experience of a lifetime and something I'm, I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, for sure. Cheerio. Yeah. Cheerio. Stop the biscuit, Thomas. Um, uh, yeah, he had to go out to the car and get his Dallas Stars uh, uh, helmet, and, uh, you know, it clashed with the Ducks uh, uniform and everything else. He had green... Uh, Nishin pads on and you know pads and everything else. It's it's the only league where an average everyday citizen ends up playing 
in, in a game. It's I, insane. I just want to know the occupation of the next one. Scott Foster, the accountant. We got a life yeah, insurance life agent. Insurance. Now, what's, what's next? As, as Hodges at the end of that says, by the way, if anyone needs insurance, contact me. <laughs> you know Disney's already well, bought he, the rights to this story, he right? He's a good hands people. Oh, it's amazing. All right, quickly, uh, what Stanley Cup playoffs start on Monday? Give me... The series that you're most looking forward to in the first round. Maple Leafs, Lightning. Absolutely. So much on the line for both of those teams, as we talked about earlier. If the Toronto Maple Leafs don't make a deep run, there's going to be a lot of changes in the organization, and it will be very interesting to see how deep the uh, the Toronto, or the, I'm sorry, the Tampa Bay Lightning can go trying to three-peat Stanley Cup. I'm looking at Minnesota and St. Louis. I yeah. think that will go seven. And, of course, Hawks if you're a Hawks fan, too, yeah. you better be cheering yeah. for Minnesota and cheering for Marc-Andre Fleury so you can get the uh, first-round pick from the Wild if they get to the Western Conference Finals. Our thanks to Jake Cantu. Did a great job. Uh, Tyler Aki started with us. He was pilfered by the Waddle and Sylvie show. They come to the hockey show for all their talent. And their information. Um, thanks to you, Brian. You're coming up next with uh, Xander. Yeah. Right? Then it's Peggy and Dion from 11 to 12.30. Then our White Sox coverage. Thanks to our sponsor, Bettenhouse and CDJR in Tinley Park. Nikki, thanks for coming in pleasure pb you're the man we'll see you next year and uh, that's going to do it for this season of the hockey show on espn 1000 we'll see you again next year